Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast. I am Ryan Rhodes. On today's episode, how being marked at a young age to know and pursue God led to a move across the country, experiencing revival in the darkness of the Pacific Northwest, but is there hope for Gen Z? Alex is the generation's pastor overseeing the children's, youth, and young adults ministries at The Pursuit in Snohomish, Washington. The Pursuit is experiencing miraculous growth and hunger in a region marked by postmodern thinking and progressive ideologies. With his wife, Brenna, he has cultivated a thriving youth group where teenagers' lives are being transformed and marked by the gospel. I think you're really going to love this one. I had a great time sitting down with Alex uh, to discuss with him about uh, Gen Z and his his story uh, and, and just his hunger at a young age um, and what God's doing in the teenagers. Because I've seen firsthand uh, the hunger of the youth at, at our church and it's blown me away. I know the, the youth group has, has grown quite dramatically um, and it is continuing to to grow, as you'll hear in a prophetic word, um, one of the prophetic words over the youth group is that it will even hit the thousands. So we are uh, we're living in a revival right now, and I believe Alex is a true gift to the church. I believe he's one of those people that you're going to hear his name more in the future. Uh, so it's a real honor to have him on here uh, before he's a household name. So uh, you're going to be. You're going to want to listen to this whole thing, both parts. So this is part one of that conversation. Part two uh, will be episode 33. And uh, if if you love this podcast, would you please consider giving a one-time or monthly support to help us sustain and grow it so that others can be stirred to hunger uh, for more of the real Jesus? We, we appreciate everything you guys are doing, all the support we've received. We thank you for... Um, thank you just for sharing this with your friends, your family, for posting on social media, for giving us feedback, for sharing testimonies, for listening to the podcast from all around the world, uh, for leaving reviews, like everything you guys are doing is making this possible. So if you haven't done those things, please consider doing them. Um, And if you have, thank you so much. We, we appreciate it. And also pray for us, pray that this continues to grow and reach uh, that will reach more people. I have some amazing guests on this season, um, and I, I I just believe it's going to bless you. I, these conversations are already blessing me, and uh, I wouldn't be having them. If, if they weren't blessing me, I wouldn't be having the conversations, because what blesses me is most likely going to bless you um, and really speak to your hearts. So let's jump into this conversation with Alex after a quick sponsor segment. Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. You gotta go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, 
How, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly and you don't let anything else stop you, and if you'll, if you'll align yourself with who you are as a son or daughter of God, there is nothing that can stop you. This is the Fire Podcast. Well, I'm here today with Alex Birkins. Welcome to the Fire Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm honored. Yeah, super honored. No, I'm I'm really excited about this one um, for for many reasons, but we'll get into those. Um, so, I'm I'm excited for the world to get to know you. I think, uh, as, as I told you before the podcast, and I've shared on this podcast before. Um, there's two primary motivations I have with this podcast outside of the fact God told me to do, do it. <laughs> um, but, uh, the first one is I was having a lot of conversations. I've had the privilege of having a lot of conversations behind the scenes with people that I felt the world needed to hear because you typically don't get that side of people, uh, behind a pulpit or, um, even in day-to-day life, a lot of times, like people yeah. just don't have really intentional uh, conversation and go, you know, ask the, ask really good questions and and be inquisitive. And then the second thing is, I believe that um, that there are people that God's highlighting that are like the up and coming people, um, the people that um, in in the next five to ten years they're going to be much more well known, and God's going to be using them in really profound ways. And I think it's a it's a really cool thing to get to talk to those people before that happens. Um, <laughs> almost as a way of recording history because you know Alex you're one of those people I believe and it's going to be really cool to look back on where you're at now versus where yeah. you're going to be at 5 10 years from now uh and and the things that even that come up in this conversation that you're passionate about or um that God's put on your heart right now compared to like where things are headed um yeah. where you'll be in in 5 to 10 years yeah so. no i think that's really exciting and i mean you know right now I mean, we're where we're at as a church. So I'm a I'm on staff with the Pursuit Northwest up here in Snohomish, and I mean, really, just in the last year, we've seen just supernatural growth. And uh, you know, I think if you asked me two years ago when I moved from Texas to be here, uh, if I thought that what we're seeing now was possible, I would tell you no. But then, <laughs> on top of that when you look at a broader scope of like, well, what does five years from now look like? It's just, I, I'm just excited. And then, you know, just personally, you know, me and Brenna, we're, we've only been married for three years, my wife. And, uh, you know, we don't have kids yet. So five to 10 years from now, my whole life's going to look totally different, which is really <laughs> exciting. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm, I, I agree. I think this is, I'm really honored to be here and I'm really excited to just talk and, see what the Lord kind of highlights and reveals. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just really excited for this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I, um, my wife and I were just talking about that. We actually just hit, actually, I think you're at three years here cause you're ahead of us a little bit and we just hit three years like two days ago. Yeah. Um, and so it, time just flies. Yeah. Um, we, you know, when we moved here, life looked totally different. And like, even we were walking around our neighborhood, uh, a couple of days, it was two days ago, 
and we're just talking about we moved here didn't have any kids my wife was pregnant at the time but no kids life looked totally different we came here we were broke we were two other couples (laughs) all living in one house only one of us had a job like couldn't afford anything and now like i've got a great job we're living in you know a beautiful area on the water and like our church is in revival like we didn't have anything back then and like being being a part of the pursuit and just the relationships were god's given us now and it's just it's just crazy because it changed yeah. a lot and and I've got two kids <laughs> and you got two kids there you go double yeah. portion <laughs> yeah one's an one's an adjustment and then you know two is uh, it's a whole different whole different thing yeah um, but it's it's been amazing and uh, yeah so let's let's jump into this first off like you're a '90s kid and I've seen I am. you what 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 year were you born? 91. I was born in 91. 91. So I'm like okay. the OG of the 90s kids. Yeah, I'm I'm 90, but it was at the end, November. So mm-hmm. um, end of 90. Because uh, I've seen you post about things and I was like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah. McGee and me. And... <laughs> <laughs> McGee and me. What a weird time. I mean, <laughs> like that. And then I don't know if you were still like watch. So like I wasn't allowed to watch cartoons that until like so if it was y7 i wasn't allowed to watch it till i was seven and so like <laughs> it was pg-13 i wasn't allowed to watch it till i was 13 and yeah. so i guess i kind of watched like kids movies really a lot later than probably <laughs> most people do and so like i ended up watching like three two one penguins I don't, do you remember that one because that yeah. came out in like the 2000s i feel like but i was still only able to watch that <laughs> You know, I'm like 12. I'm like way too old to be enjoying this, but you know, it is what it is. But yeah, 90s were a trip, man. Uh, do you remember the? Um, do you remember when, uh, like, Christian culture was all about trying to like make f- basically like puns about like popular things, like a breadcrumb and fish instead of Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is the weirdest part. Like, unless you were alive in like starting like going to like deep involved with like church culture in the 90s all this will sound so strange and i also don't know if this is like a global thing or just like a american church thing i'm assuming it's probably just an american church thing probably yeah yeah but man um yeah the 90s in church were just so weird you had bible man talking (laughs) vegetables i mean do you remember donut man with the little donut that talked I don't, but I've had so many. Okay, so every now and then I'll just get like a a flashback of like a of like a a '90s memory, like Christian memory, and then it's without fail. Every time I post something about that, someone will always say, "Donut Man, talk about Donut Man." So I I didn't see <laughs> Donut Man, but apparently he affected a lot of people. He had a good work, you know. He had a lot of a lot of fruit in his ministry. <laughs> <laughs> there were some there were some of them that were good like i liked gospel bill and like some of the mm-hmm. movies that came out yeah um covenant rider like yeah. it was a movie out of those that was so good yeah. uh i'd watch that today adventures and odyssey like there's some adventures and odyssey yeah yeah no uh when i was i think when i was eight our church got to host the power team at our church oh yeah and so that was that was the coolest thing ever. I mean, we had bricks everywhere for like the next like 20 years, you know, just piles <laughs> of bricks. So for those who don't know, the power team is a... I gr- forgot. Sorry, I didn't explain it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds awkward. Power yeah. team, like that could mean anything in charismatic culture. Yeah, it could. Uh, it could. 
It's yeah. not what you think it is if you don't know what it is. Though. <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't guess. No, Ryan, uh, explain it. Tell us what it is. It was a group of bodybuilders that would come and <laughs> and they would break bricks and handcuffs and hot. They would blow up hot water bottles with their <laughs> just with their lungs, yeah, uh, like balloons. And yeah, and then they would like tell you know talk about sin or something afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't even remember. It's just like God's powerful too, because. I don't know. We work out a lot. I don't know. I don't do, I don't get it. I also think it's funny that like one of the like feats of strength was always the water balloon thing. It's like not only are our muscles big, but our lungs are big too. You know, it's just like the weirdest like flex. I don't know. It's so yeah. strange. Man. But there was some there was some good music of that era that people like I still yeah. to this day, I think DC Talk, their Jesus yeah. Freak album is one of the greatest Christian albums of all time. Yeah, easily, easily. Yeah, I lo- I still like. Um, do you remember Bleach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still listen to Bleach every now and then. Um, wow. I think this is a little bit later, but like Reliant K, I think is still incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, you gotta. We're gonna talk about '90s good. We're gonna talk about good '90s music. We also have to mention Carmen, um, because what yeah. is the '90s without Carmen? Um, yeah. Do you remember the? Do you remember the? Uh, the uh, what was it? It was, a, it was a music video for No Monsters. Did you ever see that? Uh. <laughs> I'm on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Bye, guys. See y'all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no worries. We'll leave, yeah. So we'll leave that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Brian came and knocked on my door, and so he's like, "Hey, are you on the phone?" Yeah, I'm on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah. no monsters. Um, yeah, is that and the, the witch's invitation? Oh uh, yeah, Jeez Devil please. bite the dust. I mean, yes. I actually, I actually played Devil bite the dust for people recently, and it's like Loki anointed. Like you could feel God tangibly on it. I'm like, this is something yeah. else. I saw Carmen in concert. I think four years ago maybe five years ago and really? it was it was the weirdest thing because he is still the same and but like his audience has just gotten older you know and so there's no young people there nobody nobody under the age of like 25 <laughs> like cared uh but um yeah it was strange it was just the weirdest it was the weirdest thing i heard this story once i don't know i don't want to cast any shade on carmen so this is just a, a rumor. I'll leave it at that. I don't know if it's true. Uh, but I heard a story once that uh, um, it was this church that I was, it was like local in the town that I grew up at. And they had Carmen on tour uh, at their church. And so they had Carmen come. He's in the green room. He's ready to come out. And then they, he asked them, well, how many people are in the audience? And they said, like, 400. He said, I'm not coming out unless you have 600 people in the audience. Oh, wow. And so they literally had to go and like recruit like 200 people from the street <laughs> just so he would come out and sing. I don't know if that's true. That's what I heard. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's just the 90s, man. Good God. That was, see, like that sounds really bad in our culture now, but that mm-hmm. was like a typical part of 90s church culture. And most people yeah. don't even know it. Like, yeah, one of the things that people really don't know is in the at least in the Pentecostal circles. And like with guys like I respect and mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. some of these guys have prayed for me and stuff had great impact in my life. Their teachings have, but there are union, there was a union and like basically to get 
invited to preach anywhere. You had to be a part of this like Pentecostal preaching union, what? essentially, and uh, they would control like and make sure you get an the the right honorarium and some of those things. And those yeah. guys, that, that's why they would only like you would see the same names everywhere. Yeah, and uh, it was because of that, and be, because of Weird. these. These unions, yeah, and, and a lot of those, you know, they would come in. One of the things that one of the things I think transition maybe with Bethel is one of the reasons that this transitioned is like those guys would like literally fly in, preach, and leave, and like not even stay to interact with each other or be a part of anything. And like yeah. what I what I've seen, obviously, it still happens some here and there, but it's really cool to see like now our our culture is a little bit more like people hang around, interact with yeah. each other, build relationships which is kind of cool. Not yeah. 100% of the time. I know there's a lot of other stuff too. Yeah, I, I think too, it just depends on like, like when booking speakers and stuff, you, you always want to make sure that you're not just booking them because they're just a name, you know, but they're, mm-hmm. they're going to invest something into the house, you know. And I think yeah. that's something that like I have to be cautious of just with even like with camps and different things is like, like I'll bring out lower, not necessarily lower tier speakers or lower tier anointing, but people that I actually have relationship with, I'll, I'll bring them out 10 times more than I'll bring out the, the big name guy, just cause I want to have relationship and I want them to like, actually like care about what we're building, you know, more mm-hmm. than just like, Hey, I'm just going to come and then get my check and hit the plane next plane out. You know, I, just, I, I, yeah. I prefer having relationship with guys and, you know, and really trying to build something. And, you know, I think, I think if, with bringing guest speakers and I think that's something I'm having to remember as I'm getting more and more uh requests to go speak different places is just that like I'm here to invest into them not just to you know do a job you know like that's part of the the work as well is like hey I'm I'm imparting something I'm imparting into your team you know and so I, I I think that's something just to remember too it's just like People, people want more, people not only want, but people need more than just a sermon, you know? And, and I think that, I think that we're kind of seeing a lot, a lot more of a movement in that direction is that like, I don't know, I'm, I'm really excited about the church just in general, just cause I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people really move towards having a higher, you know, importance on like experiencing the presence of God in worship, you know, it kind of seemed like mm-hmm. for a while there, it was like, worship's just something we kind of do. And as long as the tech's good and everything that's great. But really, we're going to, you know, wait, like, really, the Lord's going to show up when people lay my ha- their hands on me. You know, and it's like, yeah, well, yes, but, like, we also want to experience the Lord in every part of our service, not just in one, you know, five-second little laying, a hand, laying on of hands at the end. You know, I think the Lord wants to do more than just, you know, an altar call at the end. But I think mm-hmm. he wants to do that, too, you know, and so it's just yeah. cool. Yeah, it is. It's we've we've been able to witness. So did you I don't actually know much about your journey. I'm assuming if you know all the 90s Christian stuff, then you've been in the church. Oh, Do you want to share yeah. a little bit like a little bit about your journey? Yeah, yeah. So um my parents are pastors. Um and uh so I got saved when I was 5 at uh, in kids church. Uh shout out to all the kids pastors and kids workers. Uh we need more of you. And uh, you're doing a great work. Yes, yeah, so I got saved yeah. at five, and um, and uh, yeah, my parents. My mom was my kids' pastor. My dad was my uh, was the youth pastor at the church, and uh, yeah, so I got saved at five. Got baptized in the Holy Spirit at seven, um, and 
that was I was thinking about that this morning because I figured it was going to get brought up at some point uh, today. But like when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at seven, I got like I got like radically baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like mm-hmm. I fell out and blacked out for about an hour, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, I came to, and my dad was like, "Alex, isn't it crazy you got your whole that you got your prayer language?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And apparently the whole time I was out, I was just speaking in tongues, but I had no like consciousness in that moment. Wow. And so then like really for like the next, you know, five or six years when I would speak in tongues, it was more of a faith thing, just kind of activating something that I really didn't have like firsthand experience when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit because it happened in such a spiritual way. Mm. And so it was like for a while, it was like that, like kind of. I'm doing this because I know that I am and because I have faith that I am, but, uh, I hope I'm doing it right. <laughs> you know, not that there's a right or wrong way to do it, but yeah. So it was just kind of weird. Uh, that was my, my first experience with the Holy spirit was just getting radically baptized in the Holy ghost. Um, and then really, uh, just became a, like a, uh, I became a, um, a presence junkie really quickly after that. And so when we'd have guest speakers come through, uh, I would always be, uh, one of the, I'd be like one of the only kids that go and get prayed for, you know, at like 10, 11 years old. And I would just weep at the altar. And then when I regain my composure, if they were still praying for people, I would go and find them and like run <laughs> off next to them and get another dose, you know? So That's I just, awesome. I just love the Holy spirit. And, um, and then, uh, really, I guess my journey for revival and really my own kind of solid, you know, hey, I'm, I want to actually pursue things with the Lord. Uh, that kind of shifted when I was about 14, 15. And uh, my dad was my youth pastor, like I said. And uh, so that usually meant that we stayed late after uh, Wednesday night services because my dad's cleaning up, having meetings, whatever. And, uh, once we would finish youth, I would go into the auditorium after everybody, all the adults had already cleared out, all the lights are off. And then I don't know what the adults did on Wednesday nights, but for some reason there was always a, uh, like an old boom box, you know, on the front of the stage. <laughs> and it always had like worship albums on it. So I would always just go in there, I'd turn it on and I would literally just pray, uh, for revival to hit my church. Wow. And I would do that every single Wednesday for literally like four or five years um, from when I was like uh, 13 to about 18 and uh, um, would just pray. I would sing and, um, and honestly, like I would just dance like up and down the altar area. And, and so really for, you know, at the pursuit uh, at the time of this recording um, mm-hmm. last weekend, we had uh, really just an outpouring of the Holy spirit and we really feel like we're on the cusp of revival so for me, it was really special because I've been praying for that for the past 16 years. And, and for me, I'm just like, man, like, the th- and I, really when we, when we moved, so then fast forward uh, from 13 to when I, I was a pastor, hit my dad's church. My dad started a church as soon as I graduated high school. That's how I got into ministry. And, uh, and then um, we were there for about eight or nine years. And then my mom ended up having an affair on my dad, uh, 
parents went through a nasty divorce in that season. Uh, me and my Brent, me and my wife Brenna, we ended up having to take over the church uh, that my dad started because uh, he was in too much of a, an emotional disarray to be able to lead well. Wow. And so we ended up taking over the church for six months, and then that season was when we got called to Seattle. And uh, that's a a whole other story. We can talk about that if you want. How I got called to Seattle, but um, but yeah, so yeah. we got we got called up here, and then before um, before yeah. we get into Seattle, um, yeah, wow. I mean, you clearly were uh, marked, you know, from a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, do you what what do you attribute? that too like where did that hunger obviously the hunger's from god but like where the yeah. hunger come from did it come from that your baptism experience at seven did that was there something else that happened um, yeah i don't i think um uh for me i think it was a lot of having my mom be a big worshiper and being unafraid to just weep in the presence of god you know on sunday mornings and so we'd be in just normal Sunday morning service. And I remember being really young, like eight, nine years old. And my mom would just be crying, you know, on Sunday morning. And I would just be like, Mom, what's wrong? You know, because uh, it's just in worship. You know, my mom's just being overcome by the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, Mom, what's wrong? And she'd be, Alex, Jesus is so good to us. It's I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I love Jesus so much. Mm-hmm. And just like my mom just had such a huge hunger for little things of God. And, uh, and then, you know, my church was really, um, really, really impactful for growing hunger as well, because my pastors were just prayer warriors would just like, they would have two, three hour long prayer meetings, you know, just praying, just going for it. And so, uh, you know, and then the people they always brought in were always just these heavy hitters that just, like, they're the type of guys, and I, I think you'll know what I mean when I say this, but, like, you're in the prayer line, you know, like, back in the back in the day when everybody would, like, line straight up, you know, all the way across, and uh, when they're, like, two or three guys away from you, you're already getting hit, you know, yeah. before they even get to you, like, those types of guys, and so... Uh, can, you, can you name any of them? Were there any that really impacted you? Uh, Bob Schaefer, he's out in uh, Oklahoma, Kingfisher, Oklahoma, he's... he's He's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Uh, he's in his 80s now, and I, I, I actually call him pretty regularly and still touch base with him, and uh, and he's one of my favorite people. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, who are some of the other dudes? They're just – I don't even remember all their names. Like I said, I was young, you know, when all that was going on, so I didn't even really care about their names or anything. I just – I was just – it's just – I was like, when I go to the front, I'm going to get hit by the by the Lord – and that's really all I care about. And so, um, but yeah, Pastor Bob marked me for, for, for the rest of my life, though. He had a really big deliverance ministry. And then uh, I, got, I got a lot of that. I got a lot of my deliverance ministry and kind of just my hunger for that uh, really from him. And that was a big impartation that he gave me. And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's, he, yeah. So I think the big thing that kind of marked me was my, my mom being hungry and then my grandma uh, when I was like 13, 14, she was, she started kind of, I guess, seeing that I was, I was getting hungrier for the Lord. 
And, uh, and so she started giving me, she would call me when she would have, uh, like new songs that she heard, like new worship songs that had like the, the Holy ghost on them. And she'd be like, Alex, you need to listen to this song. And, and I remember she'd call me and, uh, she'd put the phone up, up against like a, like an old radio, like speaker. And she was like, Alex, I just found this song. You have to hear it. You know, and she'd put the phone up and I'm just hearing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this just sounds like nothing. Um, and uh, and that was actually the first one. That's how I heard uh, "You Won't Relent" um, by Misty Edwards for the first time. It was my grandma called me, and she said, "Alex, listen to this song." And I'm just like, it doesn't sound like much of anything. And then my grandma hops back on the phone and says, "Alex, he loves us. God loves us." It just like so, just overcome by the presence of God. And uh, yeah, and so then my grandma, when I was when I turned about fifteen. Uh, me and her would go to prayer nights on Friday nights um, and at our church. And so uh, really, I mean, I guess the thing that kind of just, I guess to answer your question more directly is like I had a lot of people that really weren't afraid to show me the Lord, you know, and weren't afraid to. I think sometimes in culture we get so, especially the older I get, the more we want to be reserved and the more we just want to be like, look like we have it all together. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that I saw people just willing to be undone by the Lord, it was just like, oh, wow, I can I can experience the Lord in that way. And I think, you know, for me as a youth pastor, I think that's something that I'm kind of consistently being drawn back to is that Gen Z is really looking for something authentic. They're not after they're not after a show. They're not after a presentation. They just want to they just want something real. You know, and yeah. I think that's really where society is getting to is where, like people aren't after people can see through the facade of like a nice service, you know, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, like we're not like I remember my uh, I was with this church consultant and he said, he said, Alex, you know, pastor needs to be like Jimmy Fallon. He needs to be always in a good mood. He always needs to ha- know, have something to say about culture and just make everything just happy. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, like, yes, sure, church needs to be in a good place, you know, like, we don't need to, like, make the pulpit, like, how we process or, like, our therapeutic standpoint. But at the same time, when I, when the Lord shows up, I'm going to give him room, and yeah. and he's going he's gonna to be able to take over. And if that means me being laid out on the altar and everybody else is watching it, <laughs> then so be it. Because, man, when he shows up, he... It's everything else fades into the background. Yeah, that's so good. I, I I'm kind of doubling and tripling down on this thing about kids. I I know. Uh, I think this is one of the most important topics um, for the future of the church in general. Is just like we're uh, we are. I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. Our niceties and our uh, wanting everything to be a certain way is mm-hmm. is losing a generation, yeah, um, and generations, and and yeah. now and you know like when you're talking, I just keep thinking of of Timothy uh, in the Bible, mm-hmm. um, Pastor Apostolic Pastor Timothy, um, and how it talks about the impact of his grandmother and his his mother on his faith, yeah, um, and. I've seen this with my wife, you know, and, and I, I've seen how you know, even my, my daughter who's two and a half, how impacted she's been, 
mm-hmm. um, and how those moments like she gets some of it from me too but it's like it's much more my wife is the one that will just sit on the floor and cry and worship yeah. God you know and, yeah, yeah. and my daughter will be there with her and will worship and like even I texted Russell this just thanking him but like man like it's amazing how much being in those environments and it's like a combination of environment and people yeah like when you have those people that are are um, influential in your life that you see them undone before God that they don't have it all together but they're like they're in love Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're in love with Jesus and then the environments where the anointing is given room the anointed one can walk in the room and we actually take notice because that's a big deal in a lot of churches like a lot of places we just don't recognize that he's walked in yeah. and we, and then, and then not only to recognize it, but to give him the room and pass, yeah. pass off all like, we don't need any control. Now you just take over. Yeah. Those environments so transform our kids um, yeah. beyond what I think we realize. And, and my daughter, like since, since this extended uh, vision weekend, uh, which is still so funny to me that it was vision weekend. Yeah. Um, we, had next to no vision other than God's moving in Seattle. Yeah. Um, and I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Who needs but, a better vision than that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, But my daughter came home. This is so funny. So she's wanted to, over and over again, she wants to pray for us. And she loves, like, she would sit and watch videos with me. And I've, because I've been really impacted by watching videos like Vinny Hinn and different people and yeah. watching moves of the Spirit and people get touched mm-hmm. by God. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's actually how I started walking into that on my own is I just started really paying attention to how they moved with Holy Spirit. And I asked Holy Spirit to teach me about what he was doing. Yeah. And um, and so my daughter, though, she would sit. She loves those videos, has me play them over and over again. Like if it's like a, a reel or something on Instagram, she's like, mm-hmm. watch it again. Watch it again. Watch it again. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, deliverance, too. She loves deliverance. She's two and a half. Um, <laughs> hey. We put we, we stigmatize and put so much shame around that stuff. But like to to even to children like it's like they just see the beauty of jesus in it it's really amazing but yeah so she she loves it like even she saw russell get prayer and fall and the next day Mm -hmm. she's like i want to see pastor russell fall again and get touched by jesus (laughs) like she kept saying that and i was like oh it'll probably happen but um, anyway so she came home and she has wanted to pray for us over and over again and so she doesn't get the whole like you pray then they fall thing so Mm -hmm. she saw people pray like once somebody was on the ground so she's like mm-hmm. lay down and then she lays uh, like or she puts her hands on her belly and just prays and she's like i love you jesus fire <laughs> like, <laughs> and then, and then she just prays it. this little prayer and then she covers us with a blanket she goes and grabs wow. a blanket covers us and then she's like okay i help you up now and then she helps us up and then she's wow. like okay now your turn and she's been going back and forth and we literally did that for like 30 40 minutes the other day wow um Cause she was so impacted by that and every single night since then like you know like we live we live pretty close to mm-hmm. a potential new uh at the future uh future building and uh so we've been every single night she's like we got to go pray and yeah. like demanding she's like we have to go so wow. literally every single night we we're leaving the revival and stuff and between her and my wife we were at that you know driving an hour home and then going there every single night wow. um but every single night we've been there praying for the building and, and wow. praying, you know, praying for a school yeah. um, because we feel like education is so important. And she's like, yeah. she's like, Jesus, I want to go to this school. Like, I want this to wow. be my school. And, wow. 
and she's like and then she prayed for the kids and it's like she's two and a half yeah and i'm just like i'm absolutely blown away by how much we can because a lot of times we kind of dumb down how much kids can receive yeah or it's like oh they're little like give them some games and like you know when they're older we'll kind of explain some of this stuff and like with her i'm just seeing how important that is yeah and so i guess to parents and stuff listening like i i just want to emphasize that because i know there's parents who listen with with small kids and that sort of thing and like you have such a uh the, the discipleship can't be just on Sundays when you pass them off to children's workers, you know, yeah. like it's gotta be all the time and they need to see you pray. They need to see you undone by the Lord. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to be like, well, I need my kids away so I can focus. But like getting to that place where it's just like, you just allow God to do it regardless of the chaos. Like there's yeah. times my daughter's in it and she's in it with us and talking, you know, like praying. And then the next second she's like, making animal sounds or doing something else and it's <laughs> yeah. like she they can move in and out of it really quick yeah uh, and you just have to learn to to flow with it so yeah yeah and i think too like you know when i was really small like three and four you know my mom would bring snacks and uh little coloring pages and stuff to church you know because uh, like there was is like sunday morning there's going to be sunday school but then, like, revival stuff, there was just, like, kind of understood. There's no child care, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I would, like, be under the, the pews for most of the service. I remember those days. Yeah, but when I turned, like, six, five, like, when I was in school, like, when I went to kindergarten, that wasn't, like, an option anymore. It was, like, you're going to stand uh, during worship, and even if you don't want to. And I remember um, I would sit – I remember – uh, one time I sat down like during a worship set, my mom's like, I was like, Alex, stand back up. I was like, it's so long, you know, because <laughs> worship was like 45 minutes, you know, back yeah. then, an hour. And I was like, wow, it's so long. Like, when can I sit down? And she pointed at our senior pastor and she said, when he sits down, you can sit down. Hmm. And I was like, okay. And then my pastor too, he was a, he would just get wrecked at the altar, like during worship huge worshiper and so like uh so my mom just told me you got to do what he does you know if he's if he's standing you're standing and i remember uh that forced me to watch him when i was smaller and just kind of watch a adult man really you know encounter the lord and my dad you know he's he's a worshiper but he's just it's not really his like main you know thing uh it's just he's not super emotional guy you know so this wasn't like his big thing but my pastor though he was very very like expressive in that sense and so I remember uh, just learning to watch him um, when I, I mean when I was younger and then it was either he was standing up arms in the air going for it or he's flat on his face those are the two those are the two options you know and so it just like forced me to kind of just be like oh there's more to this than just like music, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so, I mean, when, when people ask me, you know, like, Hey, should I force my kids to go to church? I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. You should. Yeah. And I think it's funny too, when I see, <clears throat> and this isn't across the board and, you know, I don't want to like ostracize anyone, but I think that, you know, I think that especially as a youth pastor and with my wife taking over our kids ministry, um, you know, I think that more often than not, I'm seeing a lot of people that want us to do parenting for them, um, just so they don't have to, 
and they expect that you drop your kid off at Wednesday night for an hour and a half or two hours or whatever, and you know, you're going to pick them up and they're going to be magically transformed and all of the parenting issues are going to be out the window because we're going to bring back little angels, you know, from going to church <laughs> for an hour and a half. And it's like, this just doesn't work. This is not practical. Yeah. But yeah. So I think like the importance of making sure that your kids are, you know, in service, I mean, that, that impacted my life so much. And, and, uh, you know, no, you can't go sit in the foyer the entire service. You need to sit in the auditorium and no, you can't be on your phone the whole time. And yes, during worship, you're going to stand while we're standing and no, you don't have to like it, but you're going to do it. You know, and it's like, uh, I think that there's just some, some things just that they're, I think everybody wants to be able to teach everything, but some things just have to be caught, you know, some things just have to be imparted and just being in the room is so important, you know? And so, yeah, I, probably a little more radical than I think a lot of parents would be on that kind of stuff. But I'm like, man, I don't know where I would be if my parents didn't force me to go to church. You know, I don't know. I don't know what my life would be like if I didn't, I wasn't forced to be, you know, in the room during worship, you know? And yeah, I, I, I didn't get saved till after high school, like right before I went to college. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I got saved, it was like the, actually it was, after even I got saved, then I got filled with the Holy Spirit. But it was like when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, all of this word that was in me started yeah. coming out. And I was yeah. able to I was able to preach at a level and answer people's questions and stuff that I didn't have training for. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking Holy Spirit about it one time and I was just like, Where did this come from? And he was like, All of those services you sat through yeah. you were absorbing. Wow. And I, I'm just bringing out of you what's in you. Wow. And so I was, I've been so thankful that. And then my dad would, um, my dad would listen to, you know, Kenneth Copeland, Oral Roberts, like all these word yeah. of faith guys. Yeah. yeah. And um, R.W. Shambach and Norval Hayes and like Lester Summerall, like these guys like formed me. I, those were the guys coming to my church too. But like I was, mm-hmm. I sat under people like that. And at a time I wasn't old enough to even appreciate who they were. But yeah. That, that did something to me. And so I'm like, even with, uh, so yeah, we, like with with my son, we have him. He's six months, and we have headphones on him in the service mm-hmm. uh, during the worship. But like during the message and stuff, I take it off, and like yeah. I want I want him to hear. Like I actually want that to get yeah. into him. Same thing with my I did the same thing with my daughter when she was younger. Um, I want I want that to get into my kids, and so like yeah. kids when I see kids sitting in the service with an iPad and headphones, it breaks my heart. Yeah, and like. And nothing against the parents that do that. You can yeah, yeah. between you and God. But like for me, I'm like, they at least need to hear, even if they're not paying yeah. attention. Like in, it, yeah. it will get into them. It will get into their spirit. The anointing in the room can be caught with, you know, but the, yeah. they need to hear the word too. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. I mean, like people will put headphones on, you know, pregnant women with Mozart, you know, because it's like <laughs> yep. does things, but it's like. Man, why don't we think the same thing about the Bible or think the same thing about preaching and teaching of the word or worship music, you know, like the presence of yeah. God. It, it's, I mean, you, you know, you know, when you're listening to certain songs or when you're uh, listening to certain speakers, you know, you can just feel the presence of God just mm-hmm. pulling, you know, pulling stuff. And so it's just, 
uh, I I want my kids like like I said we're, we don't have any kids yet and I automatically I get heat when I give parenting advice you know because they're like you don't have kids yet I'm like yeah but I I had good parents <laughs> like you know I got I don't like I remember being a kid you know I remember I know I know why I know it's from some degree a little bit of why I am where I am and why I didn't have a falling away of the faith why I didn't you know go and have to try everything the world gave you know like. I remember one time, it's about a year ago, I was praying in my bed. Brenna's asleep. Brenna sleeps. I, I stay up, you know, and then usually that's when I encounter the Lord. Uh, and I'm just praying and just worshiping the Lord. And then all of a sudden, uh, he said, he said, you've known me longer than you knew how to write your name. Wow. And I was like, wow, thank you, Lord. Like, and so, I mean, for me, you know, that kind of stuff, it's just doesn't happen just because you know you willed it to happen you know there's you gotta take steps to get your kids mm. you know into those types of environments where they're like man i need jesus i think it's so cool to like like just the more i work with like smaller kids the i think that's the coolest thing is when they're like jesus please forgive me of all my sins you know and they're crying at the altar and they're like five it's like what are you talking about you haven't done anything <laughs> you know <laughs> but they still just they get it you know they get it yeah. and it's just so cool um and then I, I, kids just have crazy faith too you know like yeah. you're saying with your daughter you know praying for the fire of the holy ghost to fill you you know it's just so cool yeah we were at conference and uh i think this girl is eight maybe nine and uh she comes to the front to get prayer and she's holding her glasses she comes up to Brenna and she says, Brenna, can you pray for me? I want to be able to see without my glasses. Mm. And I mean, you know, we're in a, we're in an audience full of people that have glasses on, you know? And so for her though, it was like, I want to be able to see without these, you know? And so mm-hmm. we pray and, and we're like, uh, we're like, Lord, uh, open up her eyes, give her 2020 vision, you know, uh, no more need for glasses, strengthen the muscles in Jesus name. Amen. You know open your eyes tell me what if it looks better she opens her eyes she's like wow it's so clear and so i'm like pointing at like the led screen on the stage i'm like can you read what's on the screen she's like ah not really (laughs) and i'm like okay so it's still kind of blurry and she said yeah it's still kind of blurry so then we pray again then she can read what's on this on the led screen and then and then I was like, I was like, is it still kind of blurry if it's up close? You know, it's like like tiny words. Can you read those? And she's like, yeah, it's still kind of blurry. And so then uh, we prayed one more time. And then I opened up my Bible app on my phone and put the text on the smallest setting, you know, the smallest setting that the text would get. I said, don't move your head. And I held it about two feet in front of her face. And I said, can you read this for me? And she's like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And wow. she starts reading the Bible. Like, I was just, I was shook. That's the thing, though, is like kids, kids and teenagers just have crazy faith. You know, mm-hmm. they're just like, I don't know why I shouldn't be able to pray for this. About six months ago, we were uh, praying for uh, just healing in the room uh, at one of our youth services. And I said, you know, if you said, if you want, healing from something you know just come to the front and we'll pray for you and we're praying for like all sorts of kids and so i mean there's kids that had uh there's a kid that had like a i think he had 
like torn something in his ankle or something. He's like, I can't put any pressure on it. It hurts to death, you know. And so we pray, completely healed, just right up, right away. Another girl comes forward. She's like, I have arthritis. She's like 13. She's like, I have arthritis in my hands. Wow. And uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, let's pray. And so we pray for her. I think it took two prayers. And then her, she's able to, like, open and close her hands really quickly. And she's like, I don't have any pain in my hands. And then um, and this other girl comes forward after seeing, like, arthritis be healed. I think that that night we had a girl who had – she was – she said that she – it wasn't that she couldn't see or that she was blind, but like past a certain like uh, distance from her from her eyes, uh, lights become dull, mm-hmm. and so it was really weird. So it was like Christmas around Christmas, and so uh, the we had like the Christmas trees on stage and stuff. And I'm like, can you see the Christmas tree lights on stage? And she's like, no, I can't see those, um, but she can see me, you know. So it's just it has to do with like distance and stuff. So it was really weird. So anyway, so I pray for. Her. And then uh, have her open her eyes, and then her uh, she can see the Christmas tree on stage. And then uh, and I'm like, can you see the clock at the back of the room? Because at that time we had a little uh, digital clock at the very, very back of the auditorium. And she's like, no, I can't see it. So I pray again, and she can see it. And she starts freaking out. She's like, oh, my gosh, I can see. I can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, same night we had another girl who was blind in one eye. Her eye opened up. And then... Um, and then we had, and so anyways, so we're seeing all these crazy miracles. Yeah. So then this, uh, this girl comes forward, uh, has been a part of our youth group for forever. And she comes forward and she's like, pastor Alex, will you pray for me? And I said, yeah, sure. Really? What's going on? And she's like, she's like, I want to have straight teeth. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, let's go for it. I said, I've never seen this before, but I got faith and I'll pray for you. And so we start praying. God is my witness, Ryan. I kid you not. This girl's teeth moved. I kid you not. Her teeth started shifting, and I kept pulling out my camera phone. I said, does your smile look any different? Because, like, I pray, and, I mean, her teeth are pretty crooked. And so when I, like, I'm, I'm like, can you show me your teeth? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know if anything's different. And so I pull out my camera phone. I'm like, does it look different to you? She's like, oh, my gosh, this tooth moved. And then... Uh, and so I'm like, let's pray again. And we prayed like four or five times, and every single time her teeth got straighter and straighter and straighter. They're still not perfect, but there's a noticeable difference from wow. when we prayed to when we didn't pray. And so, like, kids and teenagers, they'll come up to the front and ask for prayer for just the most wild things. And I'm like, I don't even know that we could ask for this, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it's the, you know, the Lord knows the desires of our heart, and He's a good Father who wants to give good gifts to His children. And, Man, you know, people that, I mean, why not? Why wouldn't God heal crooked teeth if that was something that's important to you, right? Yeah. Like, like why wouldn't he be able to, you know, open up a blind eye or heal arthritis in a 13-year-old? You know, like, why not? I mean, he loves to give good gifts to his children. And so every time that uh, the, the people that ask for the most wild and audacious healings are always teenagers and kids just because they're like, it's almost like they haven't seen anybody ask, not ask for it. So they're like, yeah, of course I'll ask for pe- for God to heal me so I don't have to wear glasses anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm recording this podcast. I've got glasses on myself, you know? And, you know, she's coming up to, to me with, I've got glasses on. She's like, I don't want to be able to see, I want to be able to see without my glasses. I'm like, mm. all right, cool. Let's go for it. You know, like, why not? And so. <laughs> so good. It's just cool. Yeah. Kids and teenagers, man, the, the level of faith they have is just outrageous. And 
And it just, it always builds my faith to see the stuff that they ask the Lord for. Cause it's just, why not? You know? Yeah. I think the, well, so I know the only time in my like traveling different places to preach and stuff, like the only time I ever saw a hundred percent of the people healed was at a youth conference. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know how much you've experienced like the, this side of it, but typically with healing, like you've got to like almost like wear people down a little bit, like all their Mm -hmm. guards against being healed. You have to kind of like wear them down through teaching through lay on of hands and stuff. And like, I think it was uh, Kenneth Hagin who said like the greatest miracles in his ministry would happen after like a week of a a tent revival or something like the great, and it took that long of teaching during the day sessions at night and like to wear them down enough that they could receive healing Wow. And like the night that, or the day, it was a day service even, um, that we saw a hundred percent healing, which it was like, granted, it was like 20 kids, um, yeah, yeah. that got healed, but mm-hmm. the, the, all, every single one that came up got healed and it was a day service. I had no other time with them. I preached this message that had nothing to do with healing, but I, it was amazing. I thought it was a masterpiece. <laughs> it was just like, and, and they were not paying attention. They didn't yeah. care. It was yeah. like one of those times. And, um, and so I was, I wasn't expecting much to be honest. And like, yeah. I've done other youth, youth groups or, you know, camps and different things like that. And I get multiple days with them and stuff and I can really like build it and, and, and go deep with them. And I didn't have the opportunity here. So, but every single one that came up got healed. And the craziest one it's the, the craziest testimony I or healing I've seen personally yeah ha- happened at that youth camp um and i'll just tell the story real quick yeah tell I, ha- us. I had this i had this on my mind coming into this every like almost every podcast god like puts some sort of testimony on my mind to share mm-hmm. i don't i don't know why i haven't really gotten anything any feedback from it of like oh i need to hear that yeah. uh so maybe it's just me i don't know but <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways so all these all these people got healed so this one girl comes up basically she had broken her foot and her foot got healed um, at some point during this like multi-day thing, mm-hmm. and then she got re-injured and like oh, wow. and and couldn't walk, and like so she had her boot on again, and was like in a lot of pain or something, something mm-hmm. like that. I don't fully remember the details of that part because that's not the part that stands out in the story. Anyways, so she comes up, she asks for prayer, we pray for her, and she was like. You know, it, it didn't feel, it didn't even feel like necessarily what you're talking about, where it's like mm-hmm. that she had this crazy faith. She was just like, mm-hmm. I want healed like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sucks. Yeah. yeah. And so, but there was clearly something else on her mind beyond that. But mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't perfectly getting what that was. And I was just like trying to figure that out. And she's about 15. My wife's with me and we're praying for her. So she takes, I was like, okay, you know, we pray. Can you take it off and like see if there's any difference? And she takes it off and like just starts stomping on it and it's like that was her first like hey i'm gonna test it out by stomping on it. i'm thinking i would black out from the pain if yeah if that wasn't a healing yeah um but yeah she was totally healed and so she's wow. excited and she's like do you think god would would heal the like can you pray for the pain in my in my belly and i was like yeah what's going on and she's like well I had surgery um, when I was a baby. They went through my belly button, so I don't have a belly button anymore. But I, I have pain that's happening there. And I was like, "Wait, you don't you don't have a belly button? What do you mean?" 
and she was like, oh, I don't have a belly button, like the skin, because they went in through that, the skin closed up and she pulls up her shirt. So we're like at the altar, like 15 year old girl pulling up her shirt. I'm like, okay, put that down. Like, (laughs) we're good. Yeah, I, I see. But I saw it. She didn't have. There was like a little, like almost like a a, a dip in her skin. Yeah. But there wasn't a belly button because the skin had grown over over the years. And she's like, "But I've got pain, and I'm really scared. I'm gonna have to have surgery again." And so it was like, I was wow. like, "Oh, this is what I was feeling. Is you've got this the weight of this fear. You've been experiencing pain there, and like she has this fear yeah. lingering on her. But she just had a breakthrough with her foot, so now she's like, "Oh, God, God can take care of this too." Yeah, and um, so we start praying for her and the first thing God says to me is command a belly button to grow. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm just, I'm just not doing it. Um, and, and, and I had all of the right reasons not to, I didn't want to hurt Mm -hmm. her feelings. I didn't want to, you know, uh, try to point out her, uh, you know, what, what's wrong with her. I didn't want to embarrass her if it doesn't like all that stuff, you know, all, all the, all the excuses that none of them are legit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we pray. And so I was like, okay, check it out. Like com- we just command the pain to leave. turns out God told my wife as well that she was supposed to command a belly button to grow. She didn't listen either. So she's feeling her belly button and she's like, <gasps> and we're like, what? And she's like, oh, never mind. She's like, well, the pain's gone. And we're, I'm like, what? What's going on? And she's like, I thought a belly button was growing, like or forming. And, um, and I was like, all of a sudden it hit me all the try not to cry all the conviction of yeah and just the heart of the father and just realizing like this insignificant thing yeah. that does not matter she does not need a belly button there's literally no reason yeah. to have a belly button after your baby <laughs> like after you're born wow. um but the father cared and knew and then I, then it hit me the waves of like it's a 15 year old girl who doesn't have a belly button, like that kind of yeah. uh, body image and like all the stuff that comes with that. And like that yeah. God would care yeah. about that. Wow. Something so small and insignificant. And I looked at her with tears in my eyes. And I said, do you want a belly button? And she's like, yeah, <laughs> like I do. And it was like, it was, it, it felt like it took us a, it took us a long time to get where Jesus would get really quick, where he would just like recognize the issue and mm-hmm. speak to like, what is the deeper thing here? Like, yeah. Yes, you're you've got an injury or you're, you're sick, can't walk, whatever. But your sins wow. are forgiven, and he like would just cut right to the thing. Mm-hmm. It was like it took us a while to get there, but it's like, oh, this is it. Yeah, like we got to this wow. deeper thing of like body image issues, and like she just really wanted to experience the Father's love in that area. And so then I was like, okay, let's let's pray for this, and we just said, God, we just ask you to form a belly button and, and just heal her body completely. And she, she puts her hand on her shirt and just starts crying and lifts up her shirt. Once again, we're like, you know, put that down. But like our minds are blown because God's my witness. Like there's a belly button there. And that, that (laughs) there's something about that, that miracle that has. So I actually got this message I've been working on in my like three years off of preaching that eventually I'll share publicly, but I'm just like the, the miracles that, most greatly impacted me that happened to other people. Yeah. And, and that's one of them because it was like, I had never seen the father's love for something so simple like that. And yeah. to see him break into our reality, like pain, leaving somebody that just seems easy. Yeah. You know, but like forming a belly button where there isn't a belly button and there's not even a need. Cause a lot of times we yeah. just think, Oh, well God answers need. 
Yeah. But it's like, it's not actually that. And it, yeah. she doesn't need a belly button, but his love was so profound for this girl at 15 years old that he would form a belly button. And yeah. Yeah. No, it's the same thing with the teeth, man. Uh, you can get through, t- through, through life without having straight teeth. Yeah. But the Lord just was like, Hey, uh, I know that this is something that you've been desiring and that you've been wanting and that you care about. So let's go for it. You know? Yeah. It's so cool. It's wild. So I want to, um, I want to get to, uh, Seattle. So you, yeah. you head to Seattle. Let's get to, to pursuit and, yeah. and some of that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So when I got to, uh, my parents, uh, were going through the divorce and we're, t- me and Brenda took over the church. Uh, I was being mentored by Landon Schott at the time. Um, just cause I had no idea what I was doing. I remember my dad called me and said, Hey, you're taking over the church tomorrow. And I said, Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I immediately called Landon. He was my first phone call. I didn't really even know him that well at the time. And I just called him and said, I don't know who else to call, but I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and he said, do you want a friend or do you want a mentor? And in a way that only Landon could say it, you know, like, (laughs) and I said, I said, I need a mentor. And so then he just began to tell me just things to do. And it wasn't like, it's going to be okay. It was like, if you don't do this, you don't do this. Then the things that are crushing your parents' marriage right now are going to crush you and your wife's marriage in six months, like that kind of stuff. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, oh, dang, there's a lot more weight to this than I thought there was going to be. And, uh, and so anyway, so we started taking over the church six months later, everything, well, actually about four months later, everything was started to finally turn around, you know, like the first week that we, uh, took over the church, there's like 150 people there. Uh, and they announced like, Hey, Alex and Brenda are taking over the church, you know, uh, for a season, Pastor Gary's going on sabbatical. It's going to be great. No, whatever. I kid you not the next week, 50% of the people left. Wow. Half the church left. And I was like, great, awesome. Thank you for the support, you know. And so <laughs> uh, so we, uh, by, about four months later, we had uh, grown the church larger than it was when we first took it over. And so over doubled it. And uh, and so we felt like everything was going in a good direction. We were honestly getting to the point where I enjoyed what I was doing. And then... At that point, I woke up one day and I just said to Brenna, I said, I just feel like we're supposed to leave. I don't know what that means, but I feel like we're not supposed to be at our church anymore. And she said, I feel the exact same way. So I called Landon again. I'm like, hey, what are we supposed to do with this? He said, go on a fast, seek the Lord, and see if you're supposed to stay in Fort Worth, you're supposed to move somewhere else. And he said, I got connections all over the U.S. Because at this point, you know, he had just come off of itinerant speaking, so he literally had connections all over the U.S. And so he said, really... He said, wherever you want to move, he said, you can move to Florida, you can move to Seattle. He said, we can go to Fort Worth. He said, I got people all over the U.S., so wherever the Lord tells you to move to, you can really pick. I said, okay. Um, and, uh, and so then we told Brenda we're going fast for the next three days, starting tomorrow. And then that night, uh, about 3 a.m., I get woken up by the Holy Spirit and just with this invitation to go pray. And uh, I go into my... Uh, living room and uh i just turn on some music and i'm just kind of like just worshiping the lord and just kind of moving around because i just i'm very i move a lot when i'm when i worship and so i'm just kind of moving and and just experiencing the lord and just inviting him in my room um 
Like I said, Brenna's asleep. It's three in the morning. It's pitch black. <laughs> There's no movement. Like I've got my headphones in. I'm being very quiet. And uh, all of a sudden, I had this experience where my uh, it was like my. Sp- I'll do my best to explain this. The only other person who I who I've ever had I, that I've ever seen explain something like this in a in a way where I'm like, you had a similar experience to me with Stovall Weems when he had an encounter with the Lord um, at one of their services and literally saw Jesus. And so uh, I'll do my best to explain this because it's kind of hard to explain. But um, I've got my eyes closed, and it was like my eyes opened up, but they were still closed. So I'm having this open vision where I'm still in my living room, but my eyes are closed physically, but like spiritually they opened up. And... uh, and then I look in around my living room and I look up to my ceiling and the ceiling to my apartment is gone. I just see the stars above it and I see angels peering in all around the perimeter of my house mm. watching me worship. Wow. And uh, and then I said, Lord, angels are nice, but where are you? And I heard, look. And so I looked down from the ceiling and I looked down to my living room and where my coffee table was. Um there was, uh, if I get emotional at all throughout this story, just don't blame me. This is a, this is one of the most marking moments of my whole life. And so, uh, he, I see, I heard look and I looked down at my coffee table and there is a man standing there glowing white and it was mm. Jesus in my house. And, uh, as soon as I saw him physically, I fall on my face and I start weeping and spiritually, like I said, it's like two realities happening at the same time. So physically, I'm on the ground, but spiritually, I'm still standing looking at him. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I hit the ground, this whole time, I'm kind of dancing, moving around. And as soon as I hit the ground, the Lord picks up my dance step and starts dancing over me. And mm-hmm. the most wild thing. And so then he picks me up off the ground. And he flies me out from my apartment about 150 feet in the air. And I'm seeing angels ascending and descending to my apartment. And just seeing this train of angels going to my apartment. And then uh, my apartment was this old, um, it's like a 1910 um, building. And so it's stucco and brick. And everywhere the white stucco is, which is like all the pillars, it looked like LED light boxes. And my entire apartment building is just glowing um, with all these, all the structure of it is like glowing white. And then I look at downtown Fort Worth where I was living at the time, and the whole city is just black except for my apartment. And it's just like the Lord was just saying, I'm like silencing everybody else, and I'm just meeting with you right now. It's just a wild moment. Hmm. And so then he flies me back to my apartment, and, um, and then I'm sitting with him, and I say, Lord, I'm going on a fast tomorrow to ask you where I'm supposed to move or what I'm supposed to do with my life. I said, but you're here. What am I supposed to do? And he said, Seattle, two years, and then everything stops. Hmm. Just completely stops. And so um, that was about, I'm in the... I think I'm in the second year still of being in Seattle. Um, And so really what I kind of felt like the Lord was saying with the two years was that um, 
there's going to be a shift that happens in two years that unlocks the door to Seattle, but I'm getting you to the region um, with this word. And, uh, and, I, and I really feel like we're living in that shift right now. And uh, so anyways, so that got me connected. So Brenna, two days later or three days later, had an encounter in, the, in her car where she's just literally in her car praying and calling out cities and saying, God, are we supposed to live in Fort Worth? And just felt like this tension in her chest. And she said, um, are we supposed to move to Florida? You got this tension in your chest. Are we supposed to move to Colorado? Tension. Are we supposed to move to Seattle? And just complete peace. Just came over her car. Hmm. Just, and I didn't tell her anything about my story uh, for three days. Uh, and then I'm like, but what did the Lord tell you today? You know, what do you, what do you have a feeling? And she's like, yeah, I feel like we're supposed to move to Seattle. And I said, that's so crazy. Let me tell you what happened with me. And then wow. uh, the Lord confirmed it like three more times after that. Um, and then I call Landon. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I feel like we're supposed to move to Seattle. And he said, that's so crazy. He said, as soon as we had our last conversation, I called my friend Russell and I told him that I have this guy down in Texas who might be moving. And he said, if you pick Seattle, you should hire him. And so here we are, two and a half, almost three years later. I think it'll be three years in April um, for us. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and so here we are, man. We are at Seattle. We're in, we're, well, technically we're in Snohomish, but. We are, you know, moving and grooving in the Northwest. Like God is up to something up here. Yes, yeah, so that's how we ended up getting here. And as soon as we came up to uh, visit uh, Snohomish and visit Pursuit, I told Brenna, because at that point there was no job opening. You know, it wasn't like they needed anything um, from us. I just told Brenna, I said, uh, even if we have to work at Starbucks, we're moving to Seattle and we're going to join Pursuit. Um I just I just knew this was where we're supposed to be, and then about two or three months later, Russell offered us a job opening for uh, uh, take over the youth ministry, and then we've done that for a little about two years, and uh, then about four months ago, they gave us an opportunity to take over youth, kids, and young adults, and so we oversee everyone zero to thirty, and my wife is now full time as well as a ordained minister. Uh, here at the pursuit, and so yeah, it's God's been doing some cool stuff up here, man. But I'm just I'm just happy yeah. to be a part. Yeah, me too. I'm so thankful to be at this church. Yeah, to be a part of what's happening. Yeah, because it's not it's not happening everywhere. There's no, like a couple key places in the in the U.S. at least that it's happening. Yeah, and this is one of them. Yeah, pretty amazing, man. Yeah. I, I I am. I I've told Russell this before since before you and I ever really talked at all. Um, mm-hmm. But I told him I said you're one of the greatest gifts to to the church, um, and I I really believe that. I think I mean it, it makes sense, especially now hearing the journey um, that you had with the Lord to get here. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about who you are. Um, Brenda too. Like actually, I was I was praying for you guys on the way here um, uh, to record, and I really I felt like the Lord was saying that she was she was on a trajectory to hit this like um, uh, like a, I, I don't I almost don't have language for what I saw, but like a, a catalytic event in her that would. Yeah not necessarily unlocking because it's not like she's locked up, but it's like this, 
something's going to be catalyzed in her and, it, and she's mm-hmm. like it's coming soon like there's going to be a really marking moment and she's going to be a different person on the other side of it wow um and i was i was really excited about that and i, I was listening to uh to the prophetic word which actually i think um i'll probably just insert here so people can listen to it yeah but your prophetic word that you received from benny what you see is what you can have I see this, this room filled with young people. I'm not saying, oh, in fact, I, I, I kind of shy away from always talking about marriage, but you guys always bring it up. Forgetting the things that lie behind. I stretch forward to the things that lie ahead. The only reason why we look back, like I look back at the great healing revivals back in the 40s and 50s, Jack Coe, A. Allen, Oral Roberts, okay? A lot of, I studied revivals. I've studied a lot of stuff from Azusa Street and even before that with the great Welsh revivals and all that. And and it's like, God, thank you for what you did then, but God wants to do something unique in your generation. He really does, right? So that that there's young people that never heard of what I experienced. And to them, I'm a grandfather. (laughs) And that's how old I am to them. But you're the new generation. You have great hearts. You really do. You drove me around one time last time I was here. And I, 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 I was really, I told my wife, I said, man, I really like that guy. He's really got a good heart. He's really got a good heart. And I, I didn't meet your wife before. Yeah, that's how good God is. Look at what God gave to you. Just saying. That's called grace, sir. You can earn that or deserve that. I'll tell you that right now in Jesus' name. I know because that's what happened. Look at my wife. That's what they say to me too. You know, it's not just for him. It's for you. You're called. You're anointed. No, it's, it's, it's strong for you too. One will put a thousand, two will put ten thousand to flight. Okay? So lift your, lift your outside hands. Keep holding hands. The two are one. Father, I just thank you. God, you're always looking for people who will just believe for the impossible, who believe that, God, you still can do whatever you said you could do. And God, I thank you, Lord, that they look like the culture, they're not part of the culture. They're fashionable, hip. That's all part of it, God, but they're anointed called to see I believe Lord God not just hundreds but God bring thousands thousands and people are going to go Snohomish isn't where the John Legend's wife from they're going to say no that's where revival of young people is shaking the region God let them start coming from the north, the southeast, and the west. Let them start coming, God, from the region. Let them start coming. They say, I don't know, but when I walked into that room, there was, there was, I felt God in that place. God, do credible, Lord God, signs and wonders and miracles. Do something this new generation has not seen before, God. We pray right now, and we, Lord God, will pray for them. We'll stand with them, God. Raise up a generation of adults, God, that says, bring in every young person. Bring them all in, God. No matter how how different they are, no matter
matter what's happening, bring in the generation. So Lord, I pray that breakthrough anointing you put on my life. God, I pray God, the apostolic anointing you put on my life for this region. God, I put on them now for young people. I put on them for young people, God. I put on it for young people. They're going to give you all the glory and the honor. Thank you for their pastors that says, God, we want our young people to know you. I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited about what's happening with you guys. Cause I think it is really key. Um, yeah. and you know, it's for, for some people like for, well, most, most believers in the U S know Seattle is like, they, you know, it's a dark place, quote unquote. And like yeah. most people are running away from the Seattle's, the LA, the like, yeah. like they're running away from these places. They're running to the Bible belt, to Texas, mm-hmm. to, to Florida. to like these places that are, have a long history of like big ministries being successful yeah. there and stuff. And it's like yeah. culturally Christian and those sorts of things. Like, and it takes a special type of person to run into that. Yeah. Um, into that craziness it takes an even crazier type of person to then like be like and i want to be a youth pastor (laughs) (laughs) in that environment where like they're teaching our kids from kindergarten now like crazy sex ed stuff and transgenderism and all this stuff and you're dealing with like you're on you've been on the front lines now you're overseeing all of the the your generations pastors you're overseeing the different age groups but like man you've been on the front lines of this for the last couple years um, and, and you've, you've seen a lot, um, is what, what's God doing in Gen Z? Can we talk about that for a moment? Like what's he doing? Yeah. Yeah. Is there hope for that answer? You'll have to tune into the next episode, episode 33. Uh, this has been part one of my conversation with Alex Birkins. Once again, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends, share it on social media. Uh, Also, please be sure to leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you're using. Subscribe, follow, all of those things. It helps us grow in our our reach uh, and and makes it so that we show up in the search results when when people look for us. Uh, It's very important, so please help us with that. And then if this podcast or this ministry has impacted you in any way, would you please consider uh, a one-time or monthly gift of support, you can go to firemovement.com slash support, and there you can choose to do a one-time or recurring gift, um, and your support helps us to grow what we're doing, sustain uh, sustain what we're doing, grow it, and, and reach more people, essentially. So thank you so much. Thank you uh, for, for being a listener, and uh, until next time, this has been the Fire Podcast.